Welcome to the audio podcast of The Father's House. We hope and pray you are both challenged and encouraged by this time in the Word. Uh, so good to be with you in the house of the Lord today. Come on, it is good to be in church as we start this new year. Now, who here is excited for 2024? Okay, I think they're more excited than the first service. They're a little bit more excited. That's good. Uh, and who here is ready for just the year to finally be over? I mean, let's just get to, oh no, yeah. You know, it's interesting when we uh, start a new year, it, it can be very exciting. We're faced with new possibilities, a, a fresh start, a clean slate, and we wake up and it's like, okay, a brand new year, it is gonna be good. Now, there can be an element of that for sure, but I, I find that often there can also be, not to bring it down a little bit, but sometimes it can be a bit depressing. You know, we spend this time kind of at, at home and we've been working, you know, all year long for this Christmas break and then we finally get to just relax and eat chocolate like all day long and hang out. And then all of a sudden it kind of gets like, okay, uh, I'm a little bit out of the routine and then a little bit of like discouragement sort of starts to creep in and you kind of start looking at your life a little bit. You know, it's a time of reflection and you, you sort of look at the year that was and you think, oh man, I thought I'd be a little bit farther ahead in that particular area or maybe this relationship I finally have, you know, work out and it hasn't or all these things that we start to spend time on in our minds or start to worry about the future and then all of a sudden it's like this, almost a depression tries to come in on our lives. Now, this isn't unique. I believe this happens with everyone at different stages and different seasons. You might be here today, you're on a mountaintop, you're like, I am ready to go. Or you might be here and you're like, yeah, that's me. I've been feeling that, I've been sensing that. I know that that's been uh, some folks in our church that are, are starting this year off and it's just like, God, I don't know what to do. I just feel this insecurity or uncertainty or this fear. Well, we're gonna spend some time talking about that today. I'm gonna kinda go after it as uh, succinctly and directly as I can because I believe on the other side of that is gonna be some breakthrough for our church, some joy to remind you of and encourage you because you came to church today. And when we come to church, we need to be encouraged. We don't leave the same. Is anybody hearing me today? Anyone want to leave a little, little different today? Or are you guys all cool? If you're cool, we can just watch Netflix for 30 minutes. You want to experience some change and transformation in your life? Do you want some more of Jesus in your life today? Come on, well, I've got a, a word for you today. Now, there's, there's a few different things as we start this new series. It's, it's, it's titled Seeking God, because that is ultimately what we're doing as a church. We are going after God. It is His presence that leads us and will always lead us. Now, you might be in a place right now where you're facing a very real challenge, a very real pain, very real situation. And your, your mind is not necessarily on the future, your mind is just right here. Because you don't know how you're gonna make it through this day, let alone worrying about what's happening a year from now. You're just trying to make it through this day. There, are, I know our families and situations that happen throughout the year where we get to this point where we just can't see through the future because we're so focused on just what's happening right now. 
That's a very real thing. And then there's also another camp, which is uh, often maybe the more populated one, in that we might not have an emergency crisis going on right now, but that there is something that has been on our minds, providing some sort of an uncertainty, and there's this future general area of worry or fear or insecurity that we can't quite put our finger on. And we think about the future, and we spend time worrying about what might happen down the road, and we spend all this mental energy working through all these different situations in our mind. Now, there's a few different areas that are identified that you can struggle. I made it easy for me. They all start with a D. We're going to put them up on the screen, and maybe you can find one or two that identify with you. Now, there's discouragement. This is just a, a general frustration with life, with, which ultimately makes you focus more on your own problems than on God. There's doubt. Doubt makes you question God's word and his goodness. It was the enemy, the devil, who uh, tempted and who tried to use God's word. Uh, and he said, what, well, did God really say? Maybe the enemy is trying to say that to you. Yeah, you feel that you got a word from the Lord, but did he really mean that? You know, did he really say that to you? So doubt can try to attack us. Distraction. Distraction is we face temptation, we face things of the world, and we get distracted, we get off course, and we're not spending as much time with the Lord, seeking him, and we're ultimately just wasting time. We're just frittering it away. Or there's delay. Delay where maybe you put off things that you don't really want to do, and you're procrastinating, or you're facing delay, where there's things in your life that you haven't seen the fulfillment of yet, and you feel a delay, which ultimately leads back to doubt and discouragement, and it's this never-ending circle that leads to defeat, where you feel like a failure. Like you feel like you just can't go on. Why would you want to go on? And you get to a point where you just want to give up and not even try. You see, there's no final solve when we spend all this time and mental energy worrying and, and focused on discouragement. And I think that can sometimes happen as we start out a new year and we get a perspective on where things are at or we start looking at other people and their situation and say, oh man, those guys seem to be doing really well. How come I don't have this? Or how come I'm not there? They're farther along here. And we get in this trap of discouragement and despair in comparison to other people. Now, Clearly, worry is different than planning. If you're a planner, you start out the new year and you're like, I've been waiting for this. I am ready to go. I've got my list of all these goals. We're going to knock it out. That's awesome. I, 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 I'm proud of you. I wish I could do more of that. Goal setting is important. You need to have that. Worry is something different. That's what we're going to spend our time talking about today. Worry is things that you ultimately cannot control. When in a way, it's like you try to play God. You, you anticipate these imaginative scenarios and situations of what life should look like or how things are going to go. And if something doesn't happen just the way it was supposed to in my mind, then it starts to unravel as I look into all these other different situations and then how it's going to affect this and then that and what I'm going to have to do there. And we're going to be there for that. And what is this person going to say? And all of a sudden we get lost in our own thoughts and imagination, which can lead to worry. There's a, a, an old movie 
that featured a, a song. I think it was a guy named Baz Luhrmann. It was everybody wears sunscreen or something. One of the lines always stuck out to me. He said, don't worry about the future or worry, but know that worrying is as effective as trying to solve an algebra equation by chewing bubble gum. It's not very effective. You guys are probably really good at algebra, it sounds like, because it's not a big deal. I guess, like, yeah, why would I could do that in my sleep, algebra. I don't, I don't even know what an algebra equation looks like. <laughs> I know it's math-related, so that's not what's important. The I, it, uh, important thing is, as a, as a church, this month, we are seeking God together. As we set up this series, we want to give God the first and the best to start the year right. And watches that discouragement, doubt. That needs to be gone in the name of Jesus Christ. That we are more than conquerors through Christ. He gives us strength. Now it's in our weakness that we are made strong. It's not us who does it. But it is fixing our eyes on Jesus. You know, Jesus spoke a lot about worry. He, he said, you know, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke uh, to his followers, and he said specifically a few things about worry that we can look at today. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 to 34, Jesus said, So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So you don't need to worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. There's the key right there. What do we do? We face worry, discouragement, doubt, fear. We seek God with all that we are. We seek his righteousness for our life. Amen? All right. Well, have a great rest of your Sunday. Pray that you have a great lunch and that you learned something today. Go and seek God, okay? You guys want to stick around? You want to keep going? Keep going? Okay, we'll keep going. So the antidote to worry that we face, the concern and the challenges that may never even happen that we occupy our minds with, the antidote to worry is seeking God. Now, seeking means to learn where something is through careful investigation or searching. It's a single-minded focus. I am seeking something out. Now, righteousness, it says to seek God and his righteousness. Righteousness is the opposite of sin. Sin is missing the mark set by God. It's obedience to God and his word. It's our character before the Lord. The Lord knows your heart. Now, sin ultimately destroys. It leads to death. Here's what I found. As we seek God, as we seek his righteousness, as we live rightly according to his word, we have less of a desire to indulge in sin. Sin leads to death. It will rob you of your joy if you go down that path of sin. Now, we will all face temptation daily. 
But as we seek God and his kingdom, he shifts our perspective and changes our heart so that the end goal of sin, when we face a temptation, we know it will not satisfy. It will not gratify our spirit man. And it leads us down a path of feeling empty and guilty and shame, which is not from the Lord. The temptation comes from our own desires, our own flesh, our own man or woman. Now, there's an increased sensitivity to sin as you seek God, which is what we're doing this month. We wanna increase our sensitivity and our awareness so that we can live a life for God on purpose and on mission as part of his church. You ever had a cavity? You'll know it if you eat something sweet and you, you know that sensitivity. Can you just feel it in your bones right now? Just think about a cavity. Oof. I don't know why I said that. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have. But it's, it's an increased sensitivity to sin. We have to be aware of that as followers of Jesus Christ when we are faced with things and we can say, oh geez, I don't think I'm going down the right path. I know this will satisfy me for a moment, but then I'll be full of guilt. We have to have a sensitivity to sin so that we can stay on a path for God. Okay, a little heavy this morning to start, okay? You guys okay? Okay. But listen, as we seek God, the more time we spend seeking him, the less we engage in sin, the less we desire to engage in it, because we want the real thing. We want presence with God. We want intimacy with God. When we face the worries of this world, and the discouragement, the doubt, and things that creep up, it is through time with Jesus, seeking God and his righteousness, that we are renewed, we are restored, and we are refreshed. That's the antidote. Now, there are three practical points that I want to make today as we start this, this new year, three areas that I want to focus on, and we're going to read through a few scriptures today. Number, number one is we need to spend time on God. We need to spend time with God. And as we do, when we spend time with God, he opens our eyes. There is a perspective shift that takes place in our lives. And then once our eyes are opened, we can fix them on what the Bible tells us to fix them on. We can fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on eternity because this life is temporary. It's fleeting. It's a vapor. That's why we are fixing our eyes on what is ahead, the future glory that awaits us and all who are followers of Jesus Christ. So we spend time with God. Our eyes are opened. And then we fix them on eternity. Number one, spending time with God. We need to create this habit in our life. Uh, I don't know where you're at on your walk with the Lord. Maybe some of you are uh, heavily engaged in biblical disciplines. God clearly teaches this uh, to us in scripture. We need to spend time away, just you and God, you and the Lord. Very practically, this is what it looks like if you're new to the faith or you're still you know, figuring out, man, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Here is a uh, important thing to do. Before you start your day, before you get up and go to work, grab a Bible, grab a coffee, I, if you drink coffee. If you don't, don't start. Just stay strong, drink some water. It's too, it's too late for you, and that's good. You're saving money and caffeine. 
You grab something to drink, maybe listen to some worship music on in the background, go to a quiet room, put on a lamp, and just read the word of God. Any frustrations or distraction or you know, discouragement that's coming over you, you know what you do? You can just journal that down, write that down. God, this is what I'm trying to figure out right now. I can't see the end to the situation. Now there's something that happens when you write it down and you just like present it to the Lord, there is an, an element of, okay, I'm just releasing this. But you know what's interesting too? Uh, and I've done this I, only for you know, the last, I don't know, few years, but I've now reflected and looked back on journals, on miracles that have happened. Places that I've been in at a certain point in life and I, I'm in a brick wall. And I'm like, God, I don't know how I'm getting through this. And I identify that. And I'll reflect and I'll look back on the pages later on and say, Wow, look how God came through in the situation. And it brings me back to knowing exactly where I was at that moment, how desperate and how uncertain I was, but the Lord came through. We need to do this in our personal devotional time, in our walk with the Lord. We need to invest that time. Jesus did this. Jesus himself spent time with his heavenly Father. The Bible says that often he would withdraw. Withdraw? Thank you. You're so smart, you guys. All you al algebra folks in here, you did, you did English too, probably, eh? So Jesus himself, God in flesh, would withdraw. Ooh, that was close. He would withdraw and he would spend time with his heavenly Father, seeking the Lord, praying to him. How much more do we need to do that as followers of Jesus Christ? Now, the Bible says that often... While it was still dark, he went away to pray. That's early in the morning. Now, however the sun and the moon work at this time of year, the days are a little shorter uh, so that it stays lighter, shorter, darker. It's basically, it's easier to beat the sun up is what I'm trying to say. It's easier to do this. In summer, you have to wake up earlier, if that makes sense. So right now is a great time to start. I encourage you, wake up early. Beat the sun up. And <laughs> that sounds strange. <laughs> Wake up early. Spend time with the Lord. Give him the first and the best of your day. That principle is all throughout Scripture, whether it's with our relationships, with our, our finances, our money, with our days. We give God the first and the best. And the rest is blessed. He'll remind you of things you read that day in the scripture and encourage you as you walk through the day because you're gonna walk through some stuff. There's gonna be temptation throughout the day and distraction, procrastination, all those things. But the word of God, the Holy Spirit reminds you of what you read. So spend time with the Lord. When we get empty, we gotta refill our cup and that is done with one-on-one -on -one time with the Lord. God will comfort you so immensely. If you're in a place where you're just... You're, you, you don't have that firm footing. You don't really know exactly what's going on. And someday it just feels like a roller coaster. Trust me, we've all been there. We're there now. Spend time with God. Let him speak to you. Ask him, God, what do you think of me? And listen to him sweetly talk to you because he created you. He loves you. And he loves it when you spend time with him. Now, this is an important element of being a follower of Jesus Christ, plain and simple. It's uh, not a substitute for going to church. Oh, I'm just gonna pursue Jesus on my own. I don't need the church. It's not from God. It is, that is not godly. God designed the church. This is his idea, the called out and called 
together. So here's what happens though. When you are pursuing God in your own devotional time, then when you come into a gathering, when you come into a Wednesday night pursuit night for worship and prayer, when you come into a Sunday gathering, the Lord's, the Lord's gonna give you a word for someone else in this room. Maybe someone's gonna uh, ask for prayer or, or even just in a conversation, you're just talking with someone and all of a sudden you just feel the Lord kind of give you a nudge to just encourage them in this certain area or to give them a big hug or you're, you're, you're allowing God to flow through you. That he's, he's filling you up throughout the week, throughout the day before church and then you're pouring it out as a vessel of the Lord. Now there is something powerful that takes place in your life when you help up and encourage someone else. It is better to give than to receive, that you too will be blessed by encouraging someone else. That ensures that as a church, we are not spectators. Christianity is, uh, it's not a spectator sport. Now you might be new to the faith and you're figuring this all out, that's okay. But listen, we are a body of people who come together and we need each other. We need to be encouraged when we come into the house of the Lord. So watch what God will do as you spend that time and then you come into this atmosphere, you come into this place, not just to receive, which yes, you need to receive, but you are to receive and then pour it out to someone else who needs to hear from the Lord. The Lord works through his church, he works through his people. That's number one, spend time with Jesus. Number two, we need our eyes to be open. You might remember the story of, uh, of Elisha. Now, we can't see it right now, but we are in a, a spiritual battle. There is a spiritual realm that we cannot see with our human vision. The Bible says that our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities, rulers, authorities of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Sounds kind of nuts, right? But it's true. There's a battle going on for your soul. This has been going on for a long time. And here we are. Now, in Elisha, 2 Kings, Elisha was a prophet, a man of God. Now, him and his servant are hiding out in the city because the king, uh, this evil king wanted to uh, attack these guys and, and kill them. So the king sent all these chariots and his whole army to go find Elisha, this man of God. And they surround the city of Dothan where Elisha was, him and his servant. And the Bible tells us that the servant was spooked. The servant goes out and he's like, hey, Elisha, there's like a whole bunch of chariots. Uh, King Aram and all his dudes, like, we're dead. What are we gonna do? He's freaking out. And then Elisha says to him, don't be afraid. There are more on our side than there are on theirs. Now, they didn't have algebra back in those days, but my guess is that Elisha wasn't really great at math either because the servant's like, okay, so there's me and you, that's two, and then all these chariots, how is there more on our side than on their side? That doesn't make sense. Elisha prays to the Lord. He says, Lord, would you open up this man's eyes? His eyes are opened. The Bible says that the servant looked up 
on the hills and all around he saw chariots of fire, heavenly armies surrounding them. And there were more than the earthly army that tried to kill them. Let me tell you this. You are facing an enemy right now. You may not see it, or maybe you do, but you are facing an enemy for your soul to try and rob you of your joy. But I've got good news for you. The enemy that you're facing is outgunned. He is outmanned. He is outnumbered. He is overwhelmed because there are more on your side. There are more on God's side. There are more on our church's side than there are on the enemy's side. Lord, would you open our eyes as a church, as a people, to see this? Open our spiritual eyes. Paul prayed to the, uh, or sorry, Paul uh, spoke to the church in uh, 2 Corinthians. Now, this is the, the third point I'll, I'll make on this. Once our eyes are open, then we can fix our eyes on eternity, on what God wants us to see. You see, when we're reminded of the eternity, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, the things of this earth just don't matter as much. The, the, the perspective of what we're going through changes. So the Apostle Paul says to the church who, the early church is being persecuted, killed, mocked for their faith, their belief in Jesus Christ. He says, it is written, I believe, therefore I've spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, in the very present suffering, now, this was written when the church was being killed, persecuted for their faith. Now, I, I know you're going through something. Whatever we are facing right now, it's very real. Paul reminds us to not lose heart. Lose heart means to give up, to grow weary, to just surrender in, in view of this giant obstacle that we're facing, to turn into a coward. The Bible says, the literal translation is to give in to evil. That's what losing heart is. To give in to evil, to surrender it to evil. Instead, he says, fix our eyes on the unseen, which is eternity with life in Christ. Now fix, that word, or look, means to, to, to set out a mark in the distance and to fix our eyes upon that. It's where we get our word for scope, whether microscope or telescope, where we are to look and inspect and spend time seeking out and, and looking at this particular thing, to contemplate and examine and spend time thinking about it, 
One other definition is to trace out the bounds or limits of something. So the Apostle Paul, the Bible is telling us to fix our eyes, to look at, to trace out the bounds or limits of the unseen, which is eternity, life forever in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we're at risk of giving up, when we're at risk of losing heart, giving into evil, giving into temptation, it's just calling it a day and saying, it's just not gonna happen, just can't do it. When we're at risk of that, instead, we need to focus, we need to spend our minds, we need to open our eyes and fix our eyes on eternity with Christ, to contemplate it, to spend time thinking about it. But how do we do that? How do we contemplate or look at something that we can't see? The answer is through faith. Faith is the, the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It's assurance about things we cannot see. That's why it's faith. We can't see it. This is the unseen, but we can still fix our vision, fix our eyes on eternity with Jesus Christ. We're to enjoy our life here each and every day that God gives us breath in our lungs, yes. But we're to anticipate greatly the life that is to come. The truth of scripture and God's word and his promise to us that is available to all through a personal relationship in Jesus Christ that we will spend an eternity with him. We'll spend an eternity with Jesus in his presence. Romans 8 says that those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, his promise is that you will be raised from the dead. Just as Jesus Christ defeated death, you will too if your hope and faith is firmly planted in Jesus Christ. The promise is to experience eternity with the Lord in the perfect new earth that he creates. He makes all things new. Maybe you've had a, a day that felt perfect or have you ever had a day where things just, everything just came together and you just felt this, almost like this ecstasy, this very sobering but clear moment where you realized this is just awesome. So cool just to be alive. Maybe it's when you're hiking on the mountains or, I don't know, driving a fast car. Or for me, it's just a, a day at the lake. 
You know, I just kind of hang out on a nice hot summer day and there's great food and drinks and family and you're just enjoying it. You can slip into the lake anytime you want. It just, just so relaxed and you're just at peace and enjoying the beauty of your surroundings. And you just think, God, you created all this. This is just a slice of what heaven's gonna be like, eternity with you. And in those moments, very quickly, they, they can fade and then you are reminded, oh, I gotta, gotta work tomorrow, shoot. This, this was good, this was great, but it's gonna end. And I gotta do your laundry and oh, then I gotta drop the kids off of this and then they got soccer next week and all of a sudden our mind goes back to the things of this world. You see that there's a glimpse of eternity that God gives us of what it's gonna be like that I believe makes us desire more of him, his presence that we have throughout this life here on earth, knowing that there is more to come because of Jesus Christ. There's an old hymn that I was reminded of in preparing for this message. It says, to turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Through death into everlasting life he has passed, and we will follow him there. Whatever difficulty you face, we have hope because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He became flesh. He became human. God became human, dwelt among us, lived a sinless life. He knows what it's like. He can relate to what we're going through. He can relate to whatever situation you're facing. So he can walk with you through it. And he wants to walk with you through it. Our renewed life is coming when Jesus returns to make all things new. And in the meantime, we just gotta enjoy the ordinariness of life, the contentment of life, the simpleness of life that is spent pursuing and seeking God, experiencing His peace, which we can't fully understand, watching as the miraculous takes place in our life, and we just say, God, you're amazing. Our eyes are open to the reality that our job we're thankful for our, our spouse, our family, whatever it is that we have, we just say, oh God, forgive me for looking at it this way. When I, when I fix my eyes on heaven, I'm just reminded, this is a vapor, it's a mist. And we live a life of contentment, yet not full satisfaction that will ultimately be found when we leave this earth. Ecclesiastes uh, 5 talks about this. It says it's good for people to enjoy their lot in life, to work, to enjoy their toil, to eat and to drink. It's good. He says, God says, keeps, God keeps such people so busy enjoying their life that they have no time to brood over the past because they have joy in their heart. This should give us the most humbling confidence to know that whatever thing you're walking through, God's with you. And even when this world ends, there's a new heaven and a new earth that will be with Jesus forever. That helps us. It gives us hope to face the situation, whatever it is that you're in right now. 
In Hebrews 12, it says to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And now he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Bible says to consider him, consider Jesus, think about, spend time, investigate, look into, set your focus on Jesus, the unseen, eternity, faith in God. Him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart so that you won't give up and turn to evil. We fix our eyes, we focus on Jesus. That's why in this season as a church, that's what we're doing. Everything else is secondary. This, this month we are seeking God. We are going after the presence of God. Personally in our own lives and corporately as we come together as a church in our gatherings and our pursuit nights and our Sunday mornings and prayer throughout the week because we need God. And as we seek him first in his righteousness, live according to his word, he'll give us everything we need. We'll have the wisdom and the direction and the discernment for this body, for God's church, for your family, for whatever you're looking at right now. Wisdom that is not of this world, but it's from our heavenly father. So wherever you're at in your walk with the Lord, I would invite you and, and strongly encourage you to join us in this prayer and fasting season. It's 14 days starting tomorrow. You can fast a meal a day. You can fast a particular food group maybe that you really love. Start somewhere. Start with something. Fast a food. We have the resources to help you to do that. But I just want to encourage you in this. There is something supernatural that happens when we do that. And when we do it collectively as a church, there is permanent breakthrough that will occur, that will take place as we seek God together, as we go after God together.